Good morning, church. We're so glad that you're here and uh, so glad that you're worshiping with us this morning. I am Sean. I am the Associate Campus Pastor here, and I have the honor of preaching you to, to you today. And I just want to say thank you to Pastor Anthony. Thank you to Pastor Rob. You know, we have incredible leaders at our church that are very open-handed in their leadership styles. They're not, they're not close-fisted. They don't hold everything tightly. They're very open-handed, and they want to empower not just our staff, but they want to empower you. So that, for that, I am very grateful because I know that I've grown a ton under their leadership. So today we're going to talk about the Good Samaritan out of Luke chapter 10. If you turn your Bibles there, we will get started. But I want to summarize Luke chapter 10, the Good Samaritan. Um, Here's a quick summary of it. Jesus is talking to a bunch of people. There's a lawyer that comes up and says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you're a lawyer. You've, You've read it before. What do you think it says? And so the lawyer responds and says, well, you should love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and all your strength and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you're right. Do that and you will live. Well, then the lawyer goes on and says, but who is my neighbor? And this is the point where Jesus then begins to tell a parable. A parable is a story that Jesus used often to get across a point. So Jesus begins to tell us a parable and we have a picture behind you. He begins to say, uh, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Now, this is a picture in Israel of a desert. No, it is a picture of uh, the road from, Jer- from Jerusalem to Jericho. So up in the upper left corner, you'll see a city, not the one that you're looking at, but the one on the horizon. That's actually Jerusalem. And what you have is the Jericho Road, which is also known as the Wadi Kilt. It's a river. It's a brook. That, uh, it's a stream of rivers that runs down and all the way down over to Jericho. You see down here, you see these, better way to look at it is if you look down here where the bushes are, or if you go down, if you actually go to Israel, not if, when you go to Israel, okay, when you go to Israel, you're a Christ follower, so you should go, and you have Yoav, he's not going to say bushes, he's going to say shrubbery, okay, so you see the shrubbery down there, when you know there's shrubbery, there's water, because where there's water, there's life, and so if you just kind of follow this uh, shrubbery uh, in between the, the, the valley of the hills, you can kind of follow the road. So that is the road that this Jewish man was going down. And what happens is he ends up getting beat up. He ends up getting uh, everything stolen from him, and he's left half for dead. And Jesus says that there's a priest that came by and a Levite that came by, and they walked past him. They ignored him. And then there's a Samaritan that came by and showed compassion on him, bandaged his wounds, and took care of him. And so at the end of the story, Jesus says, in this story, who do you think was the loving neighbor. So Jesus responded, or the the lawyer responded and said, to whom the one that showed compassion and mercy? And Jesus responds and says, yes, go and do likewise. Now, as we're looking at this story, I just want to ask you a question, is who in this story do you identify with? We'll break it down a little bit. But who in this story do you identify with? You know, when my wife and I first got married, we've been married for 11 years and we just celebrated 11 years a few weeks ago. Uh, we both, yes, we both had the coronavirus um, over it, so we call it our coronaversary. And uh, we're fine, the symptoms were very mild. But we, we sell, when we first got married, we lived in a townhouse down in Farmington, Minnesota. We were youth pastoring at the Apple Valley campus at the time, and we had people all over. We, we always had people over. We had leaders over. We had parents over. We had students over. We had friends over, uh, so much so that our neighbors would get mad because uh, there would be too many cars in the, uh, in the parking lot, and they were parking illegal, so all that kind of stuff. Um, 
Our neighbors, some of them liked us, some of them didn't. But what we realized is at the end of our time there is that we actually really never got to know any of our neighbors, which is interesting because in a townhouse, in a small complex, you would think, you know, we're sharing walls, but yet we don't know our neighbors. I mean, they would come home from work and they would open up the garage door and they would go straight to another house. I mean, these guys were like hermits. You know, they just never saw the light of day. And, uh, and we never took the time to try to really get to know them. So when we moved up here, one of the things my wife and I said is, you know, we really need to pray that God puts us in a place and opens a house for us so that we can be loving neighbors to our physical neighbors. And we have no doubt that God orchestrated uh, the house that we live in and he orchestrated uh, the, the people that live around us. And we're not perfect by any means, but we are trying to be loving uh, friends, loving neighbors uh, to those who live around us. And we realize that we may, th- this is a season, and it's a season that we don't know how long we'll be there, uh, but we want to make the most of every opportunity. I just want to say this, is that God has you where he has you for a season, for a purpose. And I'm not just talking about your physical location of your house, but everyone that you come in contact with. It could be your boss, it could be your work, it could be your favorite barista that you see every Sunday morning when you go to Starbucks or Caribou. Whatever it may be, God has you in that person's life for a reason. And I just wanna encourage you that whatever, if this is a season that's just getting started, if it's a season that's coming to an end, or if it's just a moment in time, Take advantage of it. Be a loving, good neighbor to whoever you come in contact with, to whoever God brings your way. Luke chapter 10, verse 25. We're going to break this down. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up, tested, tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? I can imagine at this point, Jesus is getting a little bit, is going to get a little bit facetious. And I just think, oh, dude, you're a lawyer. You've studied the law before. You're you're a smart guy. What do you think it says, right? You guys ever do that with your kids? He says, what do you think of it? What's your reading of it? And so he answered, love your Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And then he said, yes, you've answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, the lawyer said to Jesus, well, who is my neighbor? See, this is the wrong question because he was trying to exclude responsibility by making some people non-neighbors. In other words, Clinton said it earlier, he wanted to love people that look like him, that think like him, that walk like him, that talk like him, that dress like him, that vote like us. He was trying to justify his actions so that he could pick and choose to whom he could show grace and mercy to. Sometimes we do this. We want to love people that can benefit us. Should I say it again? Sometimes we love people because we want them to benefit us. Matthew talks about, or in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus talks about this in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you have heard it said that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Jesus wasn't correcting the Old Testament here. He was correcting wrong teachings of the Old Testament. Verse 44, but I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, and do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes his son rise on the evil and on the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. Jesus's grace and mercy is made available to all, to every single person. And so the better question, rather than say, who's my neighbor, a better question that we could ask is, how can I be a loving neighbor? 
Jesus begins to tell the story. Then Jesus said, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, fell among thieves who stripped him of his clothing and wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a certain priest came down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Let's talk about the priest for a second. A priest is someone who had... Um, a priest is someone who had, was obligated to perform works of mercy, right? Like a pastor. So in other words, this is a person, Jesus illustrates this with a person that would say that most people would think, yes, a priest is probably one that would want to extend grace and mercy to his fellow Jew that fell. But he doesn't. And so we don't know this. We don't know for sure. I can only imagine, you know, when I read stories, Jesus, Jesus tells stories and I like to you know, try to figure out, okay, why, why would a priest, you know, just walk by? You know, perhaps, perhaps he had to get back to the temple to perform priestly duties. Perhaps he forgot his first aid kit. You know, and he thought, oh man, this guy over there, he's bleeding pretty bad. I don't have my first aid kit. And yeah, I can't get blood on my robe because I just had it dry clean. And if I get blood on it, then I'll be unclean. And then I'll just have to go through this ritual purity. And it's just not going to be good. So I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what, I'll pray to the Father that God will send someone to help this young man over here. That's a good idea, don't you think? God, will you send someone over here? Certainly you'll send someone to help him out. Or perhaps he, he was walking up and he saw him beaten up and he thought, yeah, he, uh, he looks like he might have a virus. I'm just going to continue to walk past. We don't, we don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm just... I'm, trying to give an illustration here because there's times that we we do things like this okay we let our we let our our schedules get so busy that we justify our own excuses by not extending a hand to certain people we do this all the time the levite likewise the levite when he arrived at the place came and looked and passed by on the other side now what is a levite levite could have been used for a term of anyone from the tribe of of levi uh, in this passage, it's probably more so someone who also worked in the temple alongside the priest. Okay, so another godly man. And yet he decides to pass on the other side. So it's interesting. The very first two people, the very two people that we would think would help this young person did not. Now, again, we don't know what his, his reasons were. Um, we could guess, you know, maybe, maybe he was walking with his superior. After all, it was a very dangerous road to walk, and you would never really walk by yourself. So maybe the priest and the Levite were traveling together, and maybe the Levite said, you know what? My priest didn't stop. He didn't ask me to do it. So because he didn't ask me to do it, uh, is it really my responsibility? Maybe he didn't think he was qualified enough. Maybe he thought, you know what? I'm not the priest. I don't hold the title. What can I do? You know, sometimes we get so caught up in our own insecurities that fear stops us from taking any action. It stops us from taking any action because we think, oh, well, I'm not good enough, or I don't know how I can help, or I don't know if my actions are even going to do anything. So what's the point of even trying? Can I remind you that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind? And he doesn't need you to have a title. He just needs you to be available and to love someone. So I would say stop, stop thinking of yourself less 
If Jesus is in you, then guess what? He is for you. His power, that is made, his grace that is made perfect in your weakness is going to flow through you. And you are going to literally be Jesus to people that are hurting. We'll move on. The Samaritan. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. Now, as Jesus is telling this story, I can just about imagine that the lawyer, as soon as Jesus said a Samaritan person, his heart began to sink or beat fast. And the neck, the hair on his neck began to raise. And he got a little bit uncomfortable. Why? Because Jews and Samaritans, they did not like each other. There was a hatred towards the two people, the two groups. They weren't fond of each other. Now, to understand why they weren't fond of each other, you've got to go back into the Old Testament. Around 720 BC, you have, uh, you have the nation of Israel that was split up into two kingdoms, the northern part, Israel, the southern part, Judah. And around that time, 720, the Assyrians from the north came and conquered and captured Israel, dispersing many of the Israelites elsewhere. But some of the Israelites stayed, and when they stayed, they ended up marrying some of the Assyrians. And then they started having kids. And so what you have here is you have an interracial couple with biracial children. And you have hatred between Jews and Samaritans and the Samaritans and the Jews. Does this sound familiar? Racism was going on back in the Bible. It has not just been happening here in America for the last 40 or 400 years. Racism has been going on since the beginning of time. And you know who the answer is for it? His name is Jesus. He is the answer. Jesus, he understood it. He understood racism. He understood that there was hatred between the two groups. And he said, no, no, no. I came that, that, that all are going to be saved. I came that, uh, that the Jews and the Greeks would come to know me. Jesus ministered to the Sumerians. He understood it. He ministered it. And as a Christ follower, I just want to let you know that there is never any room for it on either side. Hatred for anyone is not a part of the Christian faith. We can't do it. We must always have to love certain people. Okay, so back to the story. So I can imagine the Samaritan walking up and seeing this Jew uh, and thinking, oh man, this guy looks pretty beat up. Oh, let's go over here. Let's see if he's still alive. I'll just kind of you know, kick him a little bit. Hey, buddy, you alive? Yeah. Yeah, I'm alive. I got beat up pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah, it looks like you got beat up pretty bad. What, what's going on, man? Well, yeah, I got, I got beat up by these, these, these thieves. I mean, they were hiding in the shrubbery. Um, I didn't see them, and they just came out of nowhere, and they just attacked me, and they stole everything. Yeah, it, you, look, you look in pretty rough shape. You, dude, you're like half naked. What happened? Um, I just told you they stole everything from me, including my clothes. Um, I'm a little beat up. Yeah, well, dude, um, where's your friends? Like, how come, like, where are your friends that you're traveling with? How, wh why, wh where are they? Didn't they protect you? Didn't they stand up for you? Oh, yeah, you see, I was just traveling by myself because a lot of times I can, I can move a lot quicker by myself than I can with a group of people. You know, sometimes the kids, they need to stop every 30 minutes to take a, go to the bathroom. Uh, it's just easier for me to go by myself. Are you an idiot? You're going by yourself. You know this is a dangerous road. You can't go by yourself. What are you thinking? Unbelievable. You know, if you would have, have just gone with someone else, maybe two or three other people, your buddies, this probably wouldn't have happened. So it's probably your fault that you're like this. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, 
That's actually not in the Bible. That's sometimes what I do in certain situations because I want to be right versus being loving and compassionate. Same goes with my kids. When I tell my kids, hey, when you're riding your bike or you're riding your scooter, don't do this, don't do this. And what happens? Lo and behold, they do something that I've told them not to do 500 times and they come crying to me, bloody hands, bloody knees, and they're crying. And in that moment, as a loving father, you know what I have to do? I have to bite my tongue and say, it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna take care of you. It's gonna be okay. I'm gonna take care of you. I'm gonna bandage you up. You're gonna be okay. I just need to hug my daughter. They don't need me to tell them what they did wrong. They just need my love and compassion. Moving on. And when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. And he set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. On the next day when he departed, he took two denarii, which is about two days' wage, gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, and whatever you need more, when I come again, I will repay you. So the Samaritan had compassion on someone who he could have seen as an enemy, yet had compassion on him and took care of him. So Jesus says, which of these three do you think was the neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he said to him, him who showed mercy. And then Jesus says, go and do likewise. That is a command, not just for this lawyer, but for us as well. Go and do likewise. The Samaritan, the least of the three, he interjected himself to what could have been considered an enemy, and he did so with love and compassion, and he took care of him. And so I ask you, are you a good neighbor in this season? Are you a good neighbor on social media? Or would you rather comment your opinion on someone else's opinion? Would you rather comment about what's justifiable, what's unjustifiable, what's right versus what's wrong? Are you a good neighbor with your finances, with your time, with your empathy, with your compassion? Because unless you forgot, we have to understand that Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He came to seek and save every single person. 1 Timothy 2.4 says, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. I think Paul had it. Paul is a great example of someone who extended mercy. He went so far in Romans chapter two, he says this, I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for I wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of of my brothers. In other words, Paul, who had a, a similar moment, like the Jericho Road, Paul says this, I would rather be cut off from Christ if it means that everyone else could get saved. Yeah. That's, a, that's a pretty deep prayer. And if you're praying that, and you're writing it down, and you're preaching it to, to other people, you know it's real in your heart. That he had that much care and compassion for anyone, that he would be willing to lay his own life down 
to be cut off from Christ for the sake of those who don't know Christ. And I know this is resonating with many of you in here because it wasn't just too long ago, maybe a year, maybe two years, maybe 10 years, where you found yourself like the man on the side of the road, beat up, left for dead, without hope, without a purpose, without anything in your life. And yet there was someone that came alongside who maybe was a little bit unexpected, but there, there was someone who came and picked you up and showed compassion, showed mercy, showed grace on you. And his name was Jesus. And maybe that's you here in this place right now. You feel like you don't know where to turn. You feel like you don't know where to go. You feel like this is a season where I just don't know if I have a purpose anymore. I don't know if anyone loves me. I don't know if anyone cares for me. I don't know if anyone wants to be my friend. Can I tell you something? Jesus was a friend of sinners and he wants to be your friend today and he wants to, he wants to come into your life and give you a purpose and give you a hope and give you a destiny and give you something to look forward to each and every single day. You see, it's interesting because in verse 36, when Jesus is telling this, he's assuming the reciprocity in term of a neighbor. In other words, if a neighbor is one to whom I will be ready to extend help, then that neighbor is also one who is ready to extend help to me. Jesus, in telling the story, makes it, only, makes it so that his hearers can identify, yes, with the man in the ditch, but also with the Samaritan. So the question is, is who should I love as my, as my neighbor, but also from whom will I accept this ministry? From whom will I accept love? And you know what the answer is? Whoever God sends your way. Whoever God sends your way to love on you, to take care of you. Doesn't matter what they look like, doesn't matter what they smell like, doesn't matter what they vote like. But I can tell you that Jesus came so that he can be in relationship with you. And again, to give you a purpose and a hope. And when one needs to be a recipient of that mercy, there's boundaries that become unimportant. Jesus is showing us that we are not always in a position of superiority, being able to choose who to help and who not to help. Sometimes we just need to be okay with whoever God sends our way. So I want to close with this. I think there might be one or two people, maybe there's none, maybe there's five, that are in here today and you say, you know what, I, I, I am in a moment, in a place where I don't know where to turn to. I don't know where to go. I feel like my purpose is kind of lost. I feel like my, my life just really isn't worth it anymore. So I should just give up. Like I'm telling you, Jesus is the answer and he wants to meet you exactly where you're at. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I just want to give a moment for someone to give their life to Jesus. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus died and rose again, you will be saved. And if you would say, I want to give my life to Jesus, I want to be saved, I want to know what my purpose is, I want to know what my destiny is, I want to know what my future looks like, 
If that's you here in this place and you want to give your life to Jesus, I would just simply ask that you'd raise your hand. Just slip it up. Just say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. Yes, I want to give my life to him. Yes, I want to commit it to Jesus. And I need him to come and heal me. I need him to come and bandage me up. I need him to come and give me a purpose again. If that's you, just one more moment. If that's you here in this place, you say, yes, I want to give my life to Jesus. Just simply raise your hand. Jesus is for you. He is with you. There's nothing that's going to stop his love from getting to you. One last time. Is there anyone in here? Okay, church, let's do this. Let's stand up. Let's stand up. And I want to, we're going to sing just for 30 more seconds. And I know that the, the message challenged some of you. And trying to figure out who do, who do you relate to in the story and who do you need to be more like. And so let's sing this out. Let's respond to the words that you hear today and understand that we need to be more like Jesus.